uh, welcome, Rodri. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, you make time for us to do this podcast. Uh, Rodri Thomas, a dentist, uh, graduated in 2014 from Cardiff University and has been um, so-called the, the best young dentist 2016, 2017. Um, and he works right now in, the, in Wales in the uh, Lodge Dental. Um, and he is a key opinion leader for Ivoclar, Cermac, and Cosmedent, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, you do composite courses all over the world. We've seen you um, last year during the Dutch Academy of Aesthetic Dentistry in the Netherlands. And I was really overwhelmed by the artistic way of you do your work and, and the, the quality, the, the passion and, and everything that comes to that. Um, so one, one of the first questions, um, and, and well, that, that has exactly what to do with the things you're doing now during the, during the, 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 the lockdown, painting, cooking, it seems that you have a lot of passion for certain things. How do you, how do you, how, how could you um, explain to the audience how passion is part of your life and also plays a very important role in your dentistry? Uh, firstly, you should do all my introductions, Eric. That was, that was beautiful touching. <laughs> my mom would be so proud. Well, maybe I skipped a few years about the best young dentist. I'm, uh... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Those, those awards don't mean anything. Um, so, your passion wise, I guess, is, is one of my favorite topics to talk about. Um, so, I'll just keep talking until you want me to stop, I guess, basically. But um, I think, you know, I, I never want, I was never one of those dentists that wanted to be a dentist when they were a child. It was probably. I just never thought that that was ever going to happen. I wanted to be a lawyer because I liked the film Liar Liar with Jim Carrey. And I thought I could make jokes in a courtroom. But my parents told me that that's not possible. And so uh, then I was going to do a series of other things. And I thought maybe I should be a doctor because you get to look after people um, and care for people. And then I decided, thanks to my sister, I'll give some credit to, and my two art teachers at the time, that maybe dentistry would be a bit better suited because there's like a creative element. And around that time, because in the UK you choose when you're like 15, 16 years old. Around that time I was getting a lot of encouragement from these two art teachers that are now my patients, which is nice. And uh, they kind of were the first people I'd say that kind of showed me like a passion for art or painting or anything like that. And I didn't really appreciate enough at the time. But then going into dental school and then finally getting to do the more hands-on bits or just waxing up. I remember that being one of my favorite things we did the whole time in dental schools, little 3D sculptures. Um, I realized that, that that could become a passion. Not so much having to learn all the academic stuff. That was never really a passion for me. I much preferred watching Prison Break. But... Um, <laughs> <laughs> All, all of the seasons in like two weeks is very impressive. Um, but as soon as that bit happened, I was like, okay, I could really do something with dentistry now that genuinely kind of excites me. Because the idea of being kind of a standard dentist uh, five or six days a week was never kind of super appealing, I don't think, doing kind of the standard checkups. But then 
any chance to bring in the art creative element i found way more kind of fulfillment just on like a personal level um i mean it's nice to talk to patients and all those other bits but um any way i could weave that in i kind of did and that's why i kind of changed the mindset between it being like a dental surgery and more just kind of a an art studio to me and still a dental surgery to the patients but it was more like i could go into a studio every day and Rodri, you don't have your own dental practice, right? Or, or do you? Is it your, is it your place? Uh, it's, it's not mine. So it's, it's called Lodge Dental, owned by two brothers, great guys. Um, so I'm just an associate there. Um, I work there kind of four days a week, which is quite nice as well. And, yeah. and did, uh, oh, sorry, Eric. <laughs> sorry. No, I, I was, I was. Um, one of the things that that are uh, that I found really interesting is how do you keep what is the fuel for the passion is it is it can you do you think it's possible to um, well to 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 create to create it or do you think it's something that's inside you and never stops burning I mean you know you know what you know what I mean what, what is what what does give you um more uh or, or or what is well what what's fuel for the passion uh, I, I i guess it maybe it comes into a few different areas one would be maybe just like a natural slight competitiveness not that i now try and kind of compete with dentists in any way like that but i i could see that people were doing beautiful cases and so part of it was like, uh, well, if they can do it, then mm -hmm. strive to be able to do it like them. I remember that happening quite, of, quite early on. And then feeling the passion was kind of the, that pursuit of nature. When I kind of first saw people talk about kind of creating nature and I was starting to then understand the kind of layering and what you can do with your technician and seeing all these beautiful cases all at once it kind of became much less about root canals and things for me and oral medicine was, was just never going to be a passion but um that kind of fueled it and i guess because you can never actually kind of truly recreate nature even though we can get pretty pretty kind of close these days it's kind of maybe that journey I guess would be one thing that kind of keeps it fueled because I'm sure it's the same for you guys. I've seen your work; it's amazing. It's ridiculous. It's it's never um, perfect, and I I yeah I think I feel the same challenge as as you just described when you when yeah. you think you did a good job and then you review it after a day and then you say ah, that that could be better. I could have done this part better. This yeah. is not very natural, and then it's it's the same for every case. It's it's always yeah even things that people other people think look good you know when we under kind of macro photography i can still kind of pick things apart and be like wow oh, maybe in 20 years i'll be a better you know that would be nice <laughs> yeah um, but I, I guess that that's one thing that kind of fuels the passion and then you've got to have like an enjoyment element as well so i just kind of took that on a purely artistic kind of side to dentistry to kind of gather my enjoyment rather than and anything else and, and what what gives you the joy then besides of the two points you just mentioned what what is the 
what 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 is the joy that you have is it that you look at the work you've done or is it the food that you're tasting or is it the 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 patient who is coming back into your office and then you see the result and you are well you yeah. think you're you've done a good job or or you probably touched on a few of them there. i mean it's lovely when patients you know will cry at a fit appointment or they they come back and they tell you how something huge in their life has changed or you even kind of see them transform kind of they come in and then i'm sure you guys have had this this new hair this makeup or you know full new set of clothes and it's just because they have like a new set of dentures or something um so that is part of it because you need that kind of i think kind of human to human kind of fulfillment that you can get from dentistry i think we're quite lucky in that in that regard um and then it is nice seeing the results although you're always like a little bit anxious i guess especially with kind of when you're polishing up a composite or you're about to fit a bunch of crowns and you want them to be the right color and stuff so it is nice if that if that turns out well um so those are those are both kind of important things um, do you guys feel kind of the same way yeah and for me one of the things um, that um well it gives me a satisfaction is when well when when all the pieces come together so it's that there is a patient satisfaction there is a satisfaction of my team in my practice there is a satisfaction of me <laughs> for yeah. for creating something that i think is is well recreating nature as as far as possible for sure because we're not really able to recreate nature but also to be something durable um and then still i'm i'm sometimes i think i'm learning so much every day that i still feel that what i've done two years ago i've i'm done i'll do it completely different nowadays so really? so that makes it a little bit difficult but um well those those things are i, I think the most important no yeah there's um i feel the same way as well i'm sure because i'll look back now on something i did last year i thought was like pretty good and now i'm like definitely room for improvement there um so it's that, that's always happening yeah sometimes even a day i, I last year i i went to the to a dental technician a couple of times every week mm-hmm. and um and he told me a lot about dental anatomy and then i reviewed my my restorations um again and then wow this is really shit <laughs> <laughs> today i would, would have done it so differently and and now uh, well just just before this conference conversation i was discussing with Igan about staining your the fissures and the way the way you should do it or not to do it and yeah. and we're changing styles i think i'm changing styles every month and then i then i will try this out and then that didn't really work well or the next time it doesn't work the same as the first time you did it it's constantly yeah. changing yeah true I've, yeah that happens all the time i think um there's there's one good book that i read that i guess kind of summarizes your question quite well and it's called um why we make things and why it matters it's by a guy called peter korn and i think maybe i mentioned it in the the talk for the the dutch academy and it was about craftsmanship and how kind of his values of kind of being a 
craftsman, kind of master woodsman kind of became clear that he was kind of growing into a better person kind of through his profession, kind of rather than it being like a, an ego thing, being the best. It was more like a transformative thing. It's a great book. I'll be honest, it's like my favorite book. It's just relates to dentistry really well, I think. We will we will put it in the in the subscription of the uh, of the podcast. So I uh, I made a uh, a note of the book and uh, and the guy Peter Korn. So we will put it in there. Yeah. Um, sure. uh, Rodri, do you mind if I share my screen for a moment and go to one of your uh, Instagram posts? Yeah. Um, because I would like to. Um, share screen i would like to go to one screen and look at this um uh, well the 3d volume control you posted it uh during the, the lockdown i guess because or maybe it was work that you've prior done um but but could you explain a little bit what what is the why is it so important for you to to have knowledge about um all the different layers that are inside the tooth beautiful question eric um so yeah this was actually done probably three years ago in um i kind of did it in new mexico actually i was working with a different team at the time and um i didn't realize because we well i kind of spent like a day doing it i didn't realize how useful this would be kind of in the future but um, all you can see in the photograph there is basically, as you guys know, kind of the platal shell and then the mesial distal walls. And then the, the key points kind of start to come in with the dentin and the enamel, which when you kind of section the tooth on the right hand side, you can kind of start to see some of that chromatic change happening. because there's a few different dentin layers in there. And the, the reason it's important is when I do these courses and when, um, when you're kind of going around the room, you're trying to explain things. I find there's a few things that people find a bit tricky with composite. And for sure, one of the main ones is kind of controlling the 3D volume of what they're placing. Um, whether that's kind of the dentine, whether that's even the first platal shell layer, because they kind of have a knock-on effect. Um, a bit like when Peter Korn talks about making kind of the perfect wardrobe or perfect chair. And the first stage, if that's done well, then the next one can be done well and it eventually builds up so you can have a really beautiful result. But if something goes wrong in stages one or two, the chances are it'll, it'll have a, an effect, sometimes a big effect on kind of the end result. So it's important that kind of on the course, what I try and show is kind of inside a natural tooth, what's happening with the enamel, with the dentine, what happens is it kind of ages uh, kind of the where we're getting that opacity from the different thicknesses of where we have kind of each of those components on a tooth and then all mammalons are different they're not always just kind of three easy dentine mammalons to place and kind of understanding how if you're doing a more complex kind of case that kind of the different dentine layers are going to overlap each other and even opaques and things and as light passes through that you're going to get a really nice result and all of that will then change when you kind of put that last enamel layer on because there's so many kind of composites to choose from and kits and thicknesses and i think some sometimes i see people kind of get it straight away and i think maybe 
they found my slides useful, or maybe there's a bit of kind of natural kind of appreciation for controlling that volume. Um, and when people don't get it quite right, I kind of feel responsible that maybe I didn't show them kind of completely perfectly. And so I've tried to do everything I can to kind of break it down really in a simple way. And then we kind of gradually get more complex because it's such a key part of kind of getting that end result. And we've all made the mistakes. I'm sure you guys have as well. I still make mistakes now where you kind of think oh, I definitely could have put a different shade there or a bit more here kind of element to it all. And how do you con control the volume, um, Rodri? Do you use uh, like a sagittal key or um, what, what do you use? Or, or is it just by, uh, by your gut feeling <laughs> the layer thickness or? This, this, this might be a slightly annoying answer. There's more, more so with the, with, the, with the latter, kind of a bit of a gut feeling, but also um, when I, I spent a, a few days with Buddy Mopper, who made the kind of renamel system for Cosmodent. And he always spoke about the best view he had um, when it comes to layering is looking up the tooth with the mirror at the incisor ledge. Um, so I do do that a lot as well. Um, and I'm always kind of placing it and checking and looking from every single side. Terrible posture, I'm sure. And then trying to help kind of in that way. Um, I think with some of the more complex cases, sometimes there's like an element like a little bit of luck that kind of that bit of opaque flowed nicely into that kind of position. Um, but I have tried using kind of the, the keys and stuff before, but um, I just found it a little bit too much of a faff for me. <laughs> Although I'll use them sometimes with kind of preps or bigger veneer preps and, and things like that. But for composite layering, I kind of shoot from the hip. Yeah, it's, it's, I think one of the, one of the most important things, at least what, what I feel is very important, that your your star, your every step, uh, you have to do very carefully. If the rubber dam is not correct in position, you will have a problem later on. If the matrix is not in the correct position, you have a problem later on. So, so you really have to be be a, a precise from the first step on. Um, how, for example, if, if we would do like the class four restoration or, or something like that, yeah. it, it's in our country, it's always the question takes too much time because when I will do it like in a proper way, it's impossible. It takes me too much time. Mm -hmm. how, how do you see that, that problem? Do you have, how do you, tackle the time problem or do you have any tips for dentists who struggle struggle with time they they want to do a, well great composite work but they always struggle with time what, what's your most important tip for those yeah I, I guess with time you could be like it, it could be time financially that yep. you know it's going to be an hour two hours in the surgery and generally you're not charging as much for composite as you are for ceramic and so it is quite tempting to maybe we'll just prep that and let a technician kind of jump in and save us. Um, but for me, I guess it, it comes in, in a few ways. I think the better I got, I would always encourage someone to at least, if they're interested in aesthetic dentistry, to kind of, you know, really try and get very good at composite layering because I think getting better at that improves 
all of the other elements of your dentistry. I think if you kind of refine those motor skills with the layering and things like that, I might be wrong, but I think genuinely like your veneer preps will be better because you just become a little bit more accurate with what you're doing with your hands. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage someone kind of on, on that point of view. Personally, I find it fulfilling. I understand why some people wouldn't. Um, and with the time element kind of financially, I guess you have to feel like you're charging kind of pretty appropriately for the skills that you have, you know, that we are pretty specialized, highly trained individuals. And we don't just do dental school, we do dental school. And then we continuously are kind of learning and trying to get better. And sometimes I think, at least it's easier in this country, you can kind of pick your own prices and we're nowhere near kind of the prices of America. I know you have a slightly awkward system in the Netherlands with everything. Um, in the, at least over here, we can kind of price it. So we're kind of getting close to the hourly rate like a surgery should make. By no means is it going to be as much for the practice or, or for the dentist if you kind of did a ceramic case and maybe charged more in that regard. But I kind of see it as this is probably going to be best for the patient and I'll feel better doing sometimes the, the least invasive thing so I can go to bed thinking that that was, that was really nice and I hope it lasts a really long time for that patient and they're well aware of its limitations and eventually maybe we'll do ceramic. So I try and, I try and keep the financial bit kind of away from it, although, you know, it is a business. Luckily, I don't own the practice, but my, I'm sure my bosses are thinking. For me, also, when I've done the when I've done the shell, when it when when the when the shells are done and and you start layering the dent in it, it's like a Zen moment. It's like you really you feel like it's your yeah, do it like it's your hobby. It's 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 not only only your profession. So when I'm layering, I I feel like. I'm doing doing some really fun stuff, and I don't really care that much about the costs of the treatment because otherwise, in the Netherlands, it would be really a pain in the ass if you if you're counting euros every every minute. I think that's. Oh, you should not do that. No. Yeah, it's the it's the best to look at it that way. It's just kind of a yeah. Once those shells are up, you kind of just like zone out, and that two hours might pass in like ten minutes to you. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like, like a, a nice, it's a nice it's kind of a meditation, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. It's <laughs> a kind of form of meditation. Well, uh, what did you do? Could you could you shortly describe? Because I'm I I saw I, I went a little bit into your background and I saw you went to some masters uh, all over the world actually. Could you describe a little bit what you've done since you graduated in 2014? What are the most important masters you you went to or which you used for your own um, improvement? Um, so good question. Again, I was just going to say firstly, back on back on the last question, because of the Netherlands financial limitations and what goes on there. Not that I still fully understand it from how you guys. <laughs> That's what I think is even more impressive about kind of karma and all the work you guys do is that you're doing it for what's right for the patient and the enjoyment. It seems to me more so than 
necessary for any kind of financial means and the photography and everything you guys do. I know they make it kind of harder for dentists to really kind of pursue aesthetics over there. I might be wrong. Am I right? No, it's it's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, great. Um, so in terms of kind of masters, I guess the first kind of really inspirational character I kind of met in person, apart from my, my first ever boss, um, he was a dentist on the NHS over here. And I, no one would know his name, but I thought he was just fantastic. His composite work was amazing. And luckily my first year kind of after graduation, he kind of encouraged me to do as much composite as possible. So um, I just have to give him credit. And uh, the first guy that supervised our scheme, he, he's called um, Brian Weber. He gave me my first kind of lecture gigs as well, so you can get a shout out. But then the well-known people, I guess, would be kind of Michael Lapper was the first one that I went and visited um, in New York. I was taking my parents to New York for Christmas to say thank you for, you know, uh, letting me go to dental school and um, just generally being good parents in general. Um, and I had a cancellation one day of a molar root canal, which is, you know, emotional for everyone when that cancels. But uh, I had some spare time on my hands. So I thought I'll drop him a message and see if, you know, I could just get in for half an hour. And anyway, it, it all kind of worked out. And I ended up going in to, to sit in and spend a day with Andy Jean Miro and um, Dr. Michael Apper and Dr. Larry Rosenthal was there. And it was just, it was the first time I saw dentistry kind of outside of the UK and on this kind of American scene that was like nothing I'd seen before and the work he was doing and the, the quantity and the quality was, was kind of like mesmerizing. Um, so that definitely, all three of those characters had a huge influence on me, you know, um, Andy and then like ended up inviting me to, to lecture in NYU and then you meet even more of the great people that, that teach there. Um, and I got to spend a, a bit more time with, with my clapper and my Rosenthal kind of through all that. So um, it's just fascinating to see their opinions on things because, you know, there's, there's a real kind of success, kind of driven intrinsic motivation, I think, in all those people that is super inspiring when you kind of see it in person. Um, another great one um, that I was lucky enough to spend time with was with Buddy Moffat and the whole Cosmonet team actually. It's an amazing family because I remember being in dental school, um, not necessarily going to all my lectures, uh, watching Prison Break seasons two and three repeat, repeatedly. And on like on another screen or something, I would have Buddy Moffat doing kind of his hands-on videos that you can see on YouTube. And I was like, this guy is an absolute boss at Composite. And at the time, it was like him, Newton Fall, Jason Smithson had these kind of online videos you could watch. And I was like, one day, if I could ever kind of use Renamel, that would be amazing. And then last year, I kind of got invited to, to spend some time with them. And we kind of sat down together almost for two days, just us two, just kind of playing with Composite. And he showed me his best things. and. I like feebly showed him what I could do with, with composite and I did, didn't realize I had to give him a lecture when I got there. So I got to Chicago and they were like, ah, oh, so give us a lecture. 
And I was like, I have not prepared that at all. So I had to just find an old lecture on my laptop and just off the cuff, give a little quick lecture, I guess. But seeing kind of his way of doing things, again, was really interesting because he was also kind of a similar generation to, to Larry Rosenthal, I think. Um, and one kind of went the ceramic route and one went kind of the resin route. And you see kind of close up their results kind of 20 years on. And even though they did it different ways, it's amazing by what was done. So I, I think those were probably the, the key characters off the top of my head that kind of, and you guys, you know, the Dutch. I think it's, it's, it's mandatory to, to have uh, at least uh, a few masters who will guide you during your, or who are an example for you. I, yeah. uh, otherwise it's very difficult after graduation um, to, to develop your, uh, well, the way you think or the way you, you do your dentist, your dentistry. I think that's, that's very, very important, but I was, not to speak about, well, I follow Dr. Appa, I think one of the um, uh, longest on my social media uh, profile. And, and I, I also went to him in, in London uh, because he was in London for just, uh, just a short uh, presentation, but it was more about social media and, and his, his life and so on. But I think the way he, or at least I had the feeling that the way he was doing his dentistry is completely different from the way you are doing your dentistry because in in when i look at your work <laughs> and i when when i look at you presenting i see someone who who really lo loves to be um well how do, how do i say it correctly you you are the artist so to say but if i look at appa and his presenting i do not see an artist i see more someone who has an incredible good um, knowledge about how he wants to achieve something and he has a very good view of how he wants to do dentistry but I did not have the feeling that he really loves his um, well loves teeth you know, you know you, you, if you know what I mean I, and, I agree with you completely Eric. So, so do you how do you um, um, I, for me it would be very interesting to look at his practice and so on but I, I think the artistic way was more like intrinsic in you, isn't it? I can, I can see what you're saying. So I, I went to that talk as well. I think maybe we briefly crossed paths and I thought Eric's a very tall individual. Um, but uh, I can, because that talk he gave was, yeah, it was more on the story and the, the business side of things rather than show, kind of showcasing his passion for teeth. And I think... Okay. I think with, with Michael Lapper, his Instagram is not necessary for dentists. I think he, he uses it as kind of a, maybe more of a business vehicle to drive patients in because New York's such a competitive area okay. that that doesn't leave much scope for him to kind of do some of the, the silly things that I do online, you know, and sort of the, the layouts and, and stuff like that. Um, and I think that's just because he's got kind of, he's probably the most driven individual I've probably ever met in terms of kind of success in dentistry and I, I think maybe I think he does kind of love love teeth and he he did used to uh love kind of art when he was younger as well from what I can tell but um maybe from from my point of view 
I would kind of love to just be an artist would be would be amazing but I find that that maybe that would be a little bit too self-involved you're not necessarily helping people but with dentistry you kind of get that fulfillment so the kind of maybe the intrinsic bit has kind of always been there because just the idea of waking up and painting in a studio all day with a bit of music on literally sounds like the dream it's a little bit more romantic romanticized yeah. world of what what yeah yeah so so if if you would ever own an own, own practice rodri would you have, you i think you would have you would um you would um how do you say that you would design it to be a um like this art studio right uh, <laughs> i would love that. check a couple of easels up in there have, have some yeah exactly <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I was there was another. Um, you know, the, the, you gave an, uh, a very very beautiful lecture uh, during our congress last year. I was I was blown away by the removable um, prosthesis you showed us. While everyone is asking me where to learn that, and mm -hmm. I, I'm I'm even myself I'm asking you because I am very bad in removable prosthesis uh where do i get to know the techniques you showed us um so yeah everyone everyone seems to love the dentures in in my talks and because I, they are great right <laughs> it's amazing what you what you show there's that nice video with patricia with the suction and stuff i think yeah exactly a little joke out of that every time people seem to like that um But I, I think people that, you know, would be far more knowledgeable than, than me would be kind of Jiro Abe uh, from Japan, I think is probably the, one of the, the grandmasters when it comes to suction dentures. He's, he's written the book and on all, on all those bits. In the UK, there's someone called Finley Sutton who um, yeah. I haven't done, I haven't done either of these guys' courses, but I know that they have a wealth more knowledge than, than I have. Um, the, the way I kind of came into it was when I finished my first year of dental school, uh, not dental school, sorry, first year of graduating, um, we all have to do one year on the NHS and then generally you kind of keep a little bit of that on the side and gradually build up your private. But I managed, there's a story behind it, but I managed to get a fully private job straight after my first kind of foundation year. And I immediately went from, you know, using a lab that maybe wasn't aesthetically too orientated to luckily coming across one that had really, really talented clinicians, but also the price we were charging literally was 10 times more than what I was charging before. And I felt like a real responsibility that this has to be like my best work. And so I spoke to kind of technicians first to ask them like, what makes kind of the perfect impression? And I guess, um, and I, I called around a, a few other labs as well to see, but eventually I kind of came across a, a really good guy. And I said, do you mind if I just send you kind of all different types of impressions? Um, send me a few secondary trays every single case. And I want you to be like really hypercritical of my work. And the, the way I kind of did it, I was so kind of naive, I guess, to some of the other knowledge at the time was I was kind of, experimenting with different kind of silicone viscosities and different kind of special tray designs until we kind of found what started to give you know a more credible kind of suctions rather than 30% of the time it was getting more like 90% of the time 
So we kind of create this own little system, which is really easy to show you guys in person. And when I first shared it, someone said, oh, is that the BL or BPS technique, uh, which is Jira Waves technique. And I didn't even know what that was at the time. So I had to Google it. And then I realized that, I hope I got those letters correct. Then I realized that it, there's actually a lot of similarities to what I kind of made up and compared to kind of this relatively well-known technique. Um, and I'm sure they do it far better than, than I do. <laughs> but uh, people always, always want to know about kind of the, the suction dentures. And for me, it's just kind of uh, looking at the key areas of the anatomy and placing silicone in kind of the, the right places and the, the right viscosities. But um, I need some things to, to help demonstrate that, I guess. Do you, do you use different brands as well for the silicones? I, I, I think we, yeah. Eric Jan saw that you're, you also, that you're also opinion leader at Cermak. Do you use the Cermak um, silicones or? I, I, I do for Cermak and Ivoire. I, I use kind of a mixture of those brands. Um, and it wasn't kind of completely just kind of made up. I did try like a series of different ones on different uh, a bit of this and a bit of that and then I eventually kind of settled on this partly because Zermak kind of um, just has a really nice kind of consistency with some of its kind of heavier body work and I did actually use kind of its light body bits for some of my preparations but then I came across the ultra light body by um, Iberclar it's really kind of brown and it doesn't look too appealing and that was like almost kind of watery and it kind of took it to another level um, and that's when I started kind of throwing in a little bit of hyperclar in my last touches to the impressions. But I'm sure that, you know, you can get good results with, with any system. It's just one of those things. And one more question. Do you, do you, when you make the impression, impression, do you, um, you have different stages, right? You don't, so, so for every layer you cure it and then, and then you put a new layer or what, what's it like? Yeah, I mean, I used to overcomplicate it and it was probably I was taking five impressions um, to really try and capture the, the ridge and everything. Uh, and now it's usually kind of uh, two or three layers. So we're, we're going in with kind of um, border molding, kind of first of all, just with kind of the hand mixed putty. And then generally a, a heavy body to initially kind of capture everything. And then I'll let kind of both of those have kind of fully set and I'll come in with uh, a light body and maybe an ultralight body then as well. And I kind of let everything kind of overset um, because I've made all the mistakes. Hopefully my technician kind of called me out on all the mistakes I made and not, not enough kind of, uh, kind of moving around of the muscles or getting patients to swallow. And he said, I think you need to do these bits better. Um, so it wasn't like a quick thing. It would be much quicker if I'd actually gone on a really good course, which is probably what I'd recommend. <laughs> because there was always the question, there was always the question, uh, would, you, would you advise to muscle trim or not to muscle trim? There are two different camps, at least in, in, in the Netherlands. There is one group that says, oh, you need to do muscle trimming. And there is another group that says, no, you only need to do just normal things a patient does um, and then you get a way better impression because normally a patient is not uh, <laughs> pulling his cheek all the time he is only swallowing and talking 
blowing air. Maybe laughing, and and you should only do those normal movements. What's your opinion? Yeah, so I get I get them to try and do those movements while they're those last layers, especially at a setting. And I think they think I'm mental because I have them do it kind of continuously for for kind of two three minutes, which picks up like you say those kind of natural kind of movements of the muscles rather than me doing too much of the manual kind of manipulation. Um, and then it's when it comes back from the laboratory, it all I'll always kind of check it and then I'll I'll place it in. I'll try and see the muscles kind of under a bit of tension as well. And you see if there's any kind of lifting. And it's only been one or two times, and it easily could have been my fault, that I, I did make a slight adjustment. You know, they, they come back with a little ulcer nearer muscle attachment or something. Um, but I don't give any special instructions to necessarily kind of do extra trimming around muscle attachment. Like trying because to that makes sense, right? You have more, well, more coverage and you you have more suction then so you have more it's more stability of the procedures it's that elusive peripheral seal is the dream especially on on that patricia case where there was kind of no bone um and i even i was just like not optimistic that it was going to work out very well just maybe a little bit of luck in that well that's fuel for your passion right yeah when, when you succeed when you when you have that movie and when you have the satisfaction of the patient where you did something like you did then you're fueling your passion at least that's how i do 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 i do i some sum that up correctly for you is is that yeah i would say so and especially with her because she was one of my favorite patients i've ever had to to treat she was such a nice lady um, and like having a bite the apples, and then she told me afterwards, actually, I really hate apples and <laughs> change your clothes and everything. She was amazing. But um, so yeah, for her, there was definitely a fulfillment that I did a nice job. If, if we go, if if you do not mind, I want to go a little bit further in the prosthesis because in the Netherlands we have the um, oh my gosh, now I forget the um, we call it we call it lingualized occlusion. Are you familiar with the concept? Mm. I am. Yeah. Uh, as much as you, you just put in, at, at least what I saw in your pictures, you just put in normal anatomical and anatomically <clears throat> formed teeth. Um, and, and what kind of, of uh, occlusion or articulation concept are you, are you using? Yeah, so it comes in a kind of just a relatively balanced occlusion, you know, especially if you've got a nice kind of class one patient. Uh, although I have made some that have incorporated a, a cross bite or have incorporated kind of class mm -hmm. three. And it, it comes that, that's to due to the, the, where you want the most pressure on, on the, on the jawbone or, or, or not. Right. That's why you would change the concept there. Yeah, and sometimes a patient will just come in and you can see that they're, they're not meant for, for class one and they probably never had that when they make their teeth. And you'll try and kind of improve it, but um, I'll have a discussion. I think my technician hates me, actually, because I call him so much and I send him so many photos and I'll, I'll talk to him in depth about kind of what I think I did kind of with the CJR and kind of recording the bite and what might suit them. And then what becomes really important is that kind of trial stage. Um, so we kind of get that, that trial set up and I can see kind of how things are starting to work kind of dynamically in the patient and kind of statically. 
um, before I then go on to the finals. And generally, there's, there's almost no adjustment initially, because I think sometimes people overcomplicate um, dentures and that these patients haven't had teeth for a very long time and they're actually really highly adaptive individuals. I mean, if you make a big mistake, it'll become obvious quickly because I'll be very sore. But um, I'll let them kind of wear it for a few days and, and come back before we make any drastic changes. Um, one thing I think that would be really nice to, to include is the, the gothic arc tracing that I know Billy Sutton does. Um, which I think kind of helps maybe get an even more accurate occlusion than, than what I'm doing. But so far, it's just been that the, the results have worked. I haven't really changed anything. And in all those cases, I give 99% of the credit to my technician rather than to me. And I try and explain that in my talk as well. Like, I'm not making the dentures. I'm just facilitating him, really. Yeah. And from articulation um, um, concept, what what do you what do you use? Just balanced. Yeah, and um, we keep it really really simple. I okay. did try one or two cases, you know, where we're, I was trying to like get the face bow out on on the patient, and maybe that would kind of help things along. And then I, I looked into some studies talking about all the different fully adjustable, semi-adjustable articulators, and it kind of while it's important, I think, in a dente patient, uh, as far as I can recall from the papers, it kind of came across that you don't need to necessarily go to the nth degree uh, on an indentious patient in recording all those factors, which kind of made me feel at ease reading them because uh, I had some really awkward questions once at a talk. And luckily, I'd read those papers the day before. So I felt well equipped to kind of answer it, you know, in a, in a nice way, you know, feeling that. I had some research. Yeah. Well, thanks. I mean, and, and, uh, well, you you said before in the Netherlands that it might be possible in the future to to come and visit you, um, and to come and visit you as a, also a course wise, just, just to to follow a course at, at your place or in England or, or uh, where, wherever. <laughs> yeah. And we will do. Um, uh, next year we will do uh, a hands-on course if everything will be kind of normal again with the coronavirus we will do a hands-on course with you about the direct composite the art of, of direct composites um, could you tell us just a little bit what 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 you're talking about what you're well what's the secrets that you that you have that why should we come to uh, to one of the courses um true i'm on the spot now to try and make this sound quite good um i guess i think that there's loads of really amazing composite courses out there and kind of people that are super skilled at composite far, far more skilled i think than, than i am um but when it comes to kind of teaching and creating a really engaging course i spent like a really long time trying to come up with something because a lot of people don't know that I'd kind of already made this big online course kind of three years ago, and then I ended up doing it again and again, and then I started building another hands-on course, and eventually I kind of settled on this project, and I spent probably two years trying to make this course really special and have some characteristics that you didn't find in other courses. So you, um, I'd like to think it, it's partly an inspirational kind of creative journey for all the delegates alongside 
we're learning some really nice kind of composite techniques. So I brought in a lot of kind of the video elements of the teaching. We'll have kind of videos playing. You'll have a, a book that I kind of I wrote that's kind of 250 pages now, I think, that you've got kind of all the step-by-steps as well. And then there's always going to be another screen that will have kind of kind of the more static step-by-steps and me doing it hands-on as well. So you've got like this huge array of things to follow. So I find on courses, sometimes people either get left behind, um, which I never kind of wanted to happen. Um, so I try to cater for any way that someone learns is kind of covered on the day. And rather than it being about looking at my cases and being like, I think I'm really good at composite or anything like that. I try and make it focus completely on people realizing how good they are uh, at doing composites, which I think is what you want to go on a course for. You don't want to go on and then hear that someone won awards or someone, you know, just shows their cases constantly all day. And you, you want to feel like you came away being way better than when you kind of came on the start. So there's a little inspirational talk to kick it off. And then there's a series of fun videos, which you kind of saw a few of them. With the sexy I really like the visualization. I really yeah. like the way you visualize the work you do. And, and so people understand, yeah. you know, I, I really like the visualization. It's not like only a photo, it's 3D. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it's in-depth 3D visualization and that really helps. I think so. I mean, my mom was a teacher and so I could see how she would kind of teach her pupils. And I think it's such an important thing is you can, you can be really good at showing stuff, but to kind of teach the, the hands-on things, you really need to break it down. And I try and show it from angles that maybe I hadn't seen other people show it on courses and really try and I'm creating something now where we don't give too much away, but we're going to go inside an actual tooth visually um, and see kind of the different layers and then how we're going to try and create that with composite. But um, it's a pretty fun day as well. There's plenty of drinks at the end. So Yeah. yeah. Well, what I, what I really, because I, I noticed you were doing it, you were testing materials outside of the practice or outside of your patients. I mean, I mean, you're, it's in your practice probably, but you're testing materials and I think one of the one of the things that I come came into is that I, I did it myself already, but now we are with the five guys with Karma, and everyone is actually testing materials. I mean, Freg yeah. just sent me some pictures of of him sculpting on his models, testing yeah. another technique. I, I, why why is it so important for you to to do those things to to test not well, to, to try new methods, is it is it part of you? Well, why do you think it's important? I think, um, well, partly there's kind of the, I really wanted to, to try everything out there so that you can have a first-hand kind of bit of knowledge to tell people to some extent, like that material works well because of this and in that area, I think anyway, and this one might be better here. Um, because without kind of trying other composite systems, I never really found out in my hands anyway, what the strengths and weaknesses might be or what might be like a really nice enamel shade. So you kind of build up a little mental inventory, I think, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way where you look at a tooth and think, that's gonna work really well with kind of this brand and this shade. And then you see another patient and think, maybe a slightly different mix will work here. So you're building up like an artist's kind of palette 
essentially kind of mentally and getting people to kind of appreciate that is is really hard especially if they've only just started kind of doing composites and i think it only comes with time but then you meet other people like you guys or people that really love composites and you should realize you know how sad we are and how much we can talk about <laughs> the real <laughs> bits and how that lovely kind of bleach shade from from Ira Clark kind of just seems to universally fit everything and things like that you know, it's 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 kind of funny because some people think you're completely crazy when you exactly know which composite works in which situation, and and you have like fifty different shades in your in your draw. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think the nurses think I'm crazy because there's just so much composite everywhere. Um, and then at the at the Dutch Academy, when uh, Tony introduced us to kind of Inspiro, the Didier mm -hmm. Dietrich, and I thought that was was really nice, and we had the fill tech yeah. as well, kind of alongside to com compare. Um, some of those tints were lovely, um, so yeah. I, I definitely ordered some of that when I got back. Are you <laughs> using Inspiro now for some for some for some parts of your restorations? Or yeah, I I, I got hold of some of the tints, and I'll I'll probably grab kind of a dentine or enamel shade next. Have you have you used the blue tint already? <laughs> It's, then, it's, yeah. it's really tricky. <laughs> it's, I, uh, they, I saw in your in your 3D where you where you cut the tooth. I it looked like you used a little bit of a tint as well in the incisal edge. For when you look at the um, at the at the last tooth, I think it was the last uh, cut yeah. cut through. And that, that tooth was done all with renamels. So they don't have blue. Unfortunately, they have kind of like a violet and a gray. So, um, yeah, you can see that little fleck of kind of like a bluish violet kind of comes through at the edge. Yeah, here I will share my screen once more and then, then you can, uh, let's see, share. There, here it is. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. There. There's the puppy. Yeah, there. <laughs> okay, so, so, okay, good. Now, now we know that we have it about the same. Uh, <laughs> I love when you spotted that. No one spotted that. No, no, no. We're all the same, right? No, no, no. Do you guys tend to favor kind of one thing uh, for like your anterior cases? And do you also kind of look at a tooth and think this brand's gonna gonna be a bit of a win here, and this brand's gonna be? Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I like I like. Oh, actually, the 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 last few weeks I've been trying to use the the Shofu um beauty fill flow uh bleach white to yeah. use to use for the um, so sometimes on anterior teeth you see those white bands right the horizontal bands or and sometimes also for the line angles you see like a whitish enamel yeah. so i've i've tried on the on the models using using the flow and i've not i've not um uploaded all the pictures yet but I've had some really, I think I've had some really nice results with it because when I think in November we had a private course by Iwata Yun from, from Japan, we, we flew him over and um, he was the first one who, who showed me, who showed us, or at least who showed me um, uh, that all the anterior teeth have like a whitish enamel in the line angles. And, and that's, and when someone, 
tells you that that for the first time then you start seeing it on yeah. every case and yeah. and yeah. and and now and i've and i've tried white so in previously i or for the case at my in my patient's mouths i've used uh, white enamel by um by filtec for the line angles but now i've i also try a bit of bleach white by the uh, bleach white flowable and, and it it works really really well so that's 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 a new little thing that i kind of discovered or trying to implement i like it when you come across those those one or two things that then you're like hi ah, now i've now i've been told about it i see it all the time yeah. there's a little, few little tips and tricks you pick up of other people that's always really nice yeah for me it was that that at the congress last year tony rotondo told told me that for when you use the the bluish you can you can also extend it mm. not because i was always thinking about me creating where the translucent uh enamel color to create the mammalons or to to make the mammalons more visible but he then when he showed with the bluish material how you could also extend it a little bit on the existing dentine i never thought of that with blue you know it was kind of okay yeah, yeah. Com makes complete sense but i never thought that way so that that is how just little tips and and, and still because um when we when we would look over uh, 10 years and we would go to a congress i think it's still those small tips are are really valuable in 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 creating well you as a dentist yeah i think it, i was so excited to see tony do his stuff because i think we can all agree that he's just like the grandmaster of doing things well in dentistry and so yeah it was just fascinating to kind of see the way he kind of moves the flat plastic and stuff like that that was i used to really study youtube videos a lot and see how people far better than me were doing things and how i could like maybe take little bits and then make up my own bits it makes it more fun that way yeah, sure sure it does well one uh about we, we just have a at least i i'm uh, had one more question i was uh looking uh a, a little time ago to art to aesthetics uh it seems like a project you were doing together with minesh patel uh yeah. we know him from the from the focus from the photography courses are, are you planning on doing something together with him uh so we yeah we kind of started out to aesthetics um a couple of years back we kind of presented it at this british kind of dentistry show um and then at the time uh, minesh got a busy with kind of building up focus and everything. So we, we haven't really touched base too much about it again. We, we had some kind of big plans, but I guess we'll, we'll see what happens because people get busy and mm. people end up doing one thing and I started doing more of the resin bits and he was doing more photography bits. So it would be really nice to come back together again and kind of put something together because really nice aesthetic and really nice understanding of displaying things in a good way to kind of teach and learn so okay we'll find well, out. would be amazing to see that yeah. <laughs> okay cool well thanks uh thanks a lot Frick. do you have any uh any other uh well, maybe just one last question then I've got yeah. the, about the best best young dentist award i i, I saw you having uh, it, it every year but since i started 
um, using Instagram a lot. And then you see all those British dentists who have won the best young dentists. So how does it work? Can yeah. you, is, is it for every district or? Yeah, so the, the way it kind of works is um, what, I, what I always just preface this story with is the, I, those awards don't necessarily mean much to kind of me personally. I think my mum is the most excited person about it because I think part of her believes <laughs> it. So I'm, whenever I, I enter those things, I'm not doing it because necessarily I care too much about the result. I do it more because I know my mum will be excited for like a week afterwards and tell her friends and stuff. But um, yeah, they split it into regions, which makes it really confusing because then when you kind of meet you guys from other countries, they're like, oh, I don't understand how like five people kind of won it that year. Um, but then there's kind of Wales as one category and then England's so big that they break that down into like, two or three with London being a whole separate category. Um, in one of the awards, they do like an overall UK one because what other, what also complicates it is that's like a dentistry one and then there's a private dentistry one. So there's a lot of opportunity out there. I think what it shows is maybe someone that just put in a bit of extra work really is you calling it the best dentist is probably the, the worst way they could ever name anything because no one's the best. It's just someone that was, you know, had a weekend to put a little application together and maybe take some photos um, uh, rather than taking it too seriously is kind of how I view it. Um, some people see it a really useful way for kind of marketing for patients, but um, I haven't actually ever had one patient ever comment on it. So it's completely lost on patients for me. It's purely for my mom. Yeah. Yeah, I think that, that, that summarizes also a little bit on, on, on why you do the dentistry the way you do. It's not for you. It's not the, the, it's not the prices or at least I have the feeling it's not the competition only. You, you told the competition is like more like motivating or seeing what's possible. But for you, really, the, um, being, artist, being an artist in your, in your dental work is, is one of the things that, that keeps, you, keeps you going. And I, I really hope to see, because I'm, I'm convinced of that, we will see in the next 10, 20 years, we'll see a lot, a lot more coming from, uh, from Rodri Thomas. So um, thanks a lot for the time. And thanks a lot for, for this, uh, well, this nice chat we had uh, for the Karma Dentistry and, and well, I'm looking forward already to meet you again next year. Yeah. Well, well, thank you to you guys for having me come on. So all the credit goes to you. And I love what you're building with kind of karma and the, the whole look of it all and all these people you're bringing in. I think it's, it's going to be something really special coming out of the Netherlands. It already is. So thanks a lot. Thanks. Okay. thanks. okay. Then see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.